a very good morning to all of you. Uh, I was thinking what story should I tell you this morning. Uh, since we will be looking at the provisions God has provided for us in uh, John chapter 15, one of it is uh, your prayers being answered. So I thought I'll say a story about prayer. Uh, it's, uh, it's about a lady who went on a cruise and, uh, uh, and as uh, they were going, the, a big storm hit and uh, the ship was in danger of sinking and there was panic all around and this lady had spied a man reading his Bible and she had learned that he's a pastor so she runs up to him and says pastor do something please do something <laughs> and the pastor said you know I am in sales not in management <laughs> sometimes we <laughs> even wonder whether our prayers make any difference. Isn't it? We are in sales, we are up there selling the gospel, but we don't believe in the power of prayer. But we will see in John chapter 15 verse uh, 7 that Jesus says, whatever you ask, it will be given to you. Alright, we'll come to that. But uh, I will just quickly finish off what I left out yesterday. Uh, just quick, a, a few quick points before we come to what uh, God has laid on my heart this, uh, for this session. Our greatest example of love is our Lord Jesus Christ. So if you want to know how to walk in love, you must... Uh, look at Jesus. Okay? So, when you look at the life of Jesus, uh, we begin to see that Jesus spent all his time with people who were marginalized. You got the point? He didn't sit with the people, you know, who we would sit with usually. People in power, people who have connections. That's not who Jesus sat with. He sat with the marginalized. He sat with sinners. He sat with prostitutes. He sat with uh, uh, you know, people who were committing adultery. He sat with tax collectors. He sat with people who were not uh, accepted in society. So the point I want to make here is for Jesus, the center was the edge. The religious leaders criticized Jesus for this. He says, why are you sitting with these people? Why are you eating with them? You should be eating with us. We are the righteous people. So the question is, why did Jesus sit with these people? He sat with those people because he was trying to communicate to, to us and to you and to me. That's how far God goes. Or to say it positively, that's where God's love starts with the lost with the sinners with the unrighteous so as a church we need to take this on and we need to follow the example of Jesus for us love should start at the edge 
people who are lost. The second thing that you see in the life of Jesus is his gathering together of his disciples. How he brought his disciples to himself, uh, what kind of people he brought to himself and made his disciples. There was Simon the Zealot and there was Matthew the tax collector. Now if these two guys had come together without Jesus, what do you think they would have done to each other? Simon the Zealot is a terrorist, okay? He's a nationalist. He wants Jewish uh, redemption from Roman authority, alright? He's a terrorist, actually a terrorist. But Matthew was working for whom? Romans. For the Romans. So he was, he was uh, with the enemy. So if they had met without Jesus in the, in the relational context, what would have they done to each other? killed each other. Well, why does Jesus bring these two together? To tell you and me that God's love can conquer. God's love can change. Jesus brings these people together. Philosophically and ideologically totally opposed to each other. But Jesus brings them to tell you and me that love has the power to change people. James and John were called the sons of thunder. It was nothing, not a good, uh, you know, uh, good name to be called because it would, it, it meant they were angry people. That's, that's why that name is given. They were angry people. You remember once they were going, uh, through Jericho uh, to, through where the Samaritans were living and they didn't give them right of way they said no don't come this way so what does uh, 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 James and John come and tell Jesus what do they come and tell Jesus anybody what do they come and tell Jesus let's bring lightning and thunder from above so that they will, they will be and then they will know who we are they were sons of thunder, anger. People filled with anger, problems with anger management. But Jesus brought them to himself. Why? Because he knew his love could change them. Did it change? Did it change John? Tell me, did it change John? What is he called now? Or later on, what is he called? The apostle of love. The disciple who leaned his head at the chest of the Lord Jesus Christ. Who experienced intimately the love of his master and savior and Lord. That everything he writes after that. You read the epistles. It's all about love. That's what the love of Jesus can do. Transform people totally. I think Peter was the one person who got scolded by the, the Lord most of the time because he was the one who answered most of the, the questions. He, God had, Jesus had to even publicly rebuke him and say, Get thee behind me, Satan. What are you speaking, Peter? But such, such, a, such a person, the love of Jesus, is able to change. You remember how Jesus met him? By the sea, 
They were trying to catch fish, right? You remember that? And they didn't find any fish. When they came to shore, there was somebody on the shore. Who was that? The Lord Jesus. What was he doing? If you read carefully, there was coals burning. And Jesus was frying fish. I don't know if he had chips. Uh, <laughs> but he was frying fish. So, as he saw the coals, where would Peter's mind have gone back to? That incident when he was warming his hand and he betrayed the Lord Jesus. Not once, not twice, but how many times? Three times. And there, in that setting, Jesus asked Peter, Peter, do you love me more than these? Not once, not twice, but thrice. Finally, Peter breaks down. He says, Lord, you know. You know that I love you. You know my heart. You know my failures. And what did Jesus do? You're finished. Is that what he said? No. Feed my sheep. Take care of my lambs. I'm trusting you. Because I believe my love is able to transform you. That is the love of the Lord Jesus. And that's the kind of love you and I need to follow. Don't give up on people. Because it is not you who are going to change people. But who is going to change people? God, through his spirit. And through his love. Is going to transform people. Don't give up on people. CBF, don't give up on Welcome anybody and everybody. And you will see what God is able to do powerfully as you exhibit love, the love of Jesus to them. The third thing we see about the Lord Jesus Christ is love moves towards servanthood and suffering. Love moves towards servanthood and suffering. You see, the Lord Jesus Christ, he told, I have not come to be served but to what? Servant. I came to be a servant. Servanthood is the uh, is the reflection of uh, true love. He says I have not come to be served but I have come to serve and then in serving what will I do? In serving you what will I do? I will lay down my life as a ransom for you. You see, true love moves moves towards servanthood and suffering. So when you love somebody, you sacrifice. You have to die to many things. But if you want to be a follower of Jesus, if you want to abide in this wine, this is the characteristic Jesus portrays of his love and that characteristic must be found in your life and my life and I pray CBF that you will love like Jesus loved you will serve like he served and if need be you will give your life for the sake of love so I will close there and I trust that portion is a blessing to you. Now come to, come to 
John chapter 15 again. John chapter 15 and verse 7. John chapter 15 and verse The provisions God has for us uh, uh, in the Lord, uh, uh, as we abide in Him. All right, verse 7. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Okay, the promise is, the promise is, ask whatever you want, and it will be. Okay, do you believe that? Hello? Do you believe that? I was reading another story. It's a man who fell off a precipice, okay? And he's falling down and suddenly he takes hold of this, you know, little branch coming out from the edge of the mountain. He holds on to it. As he's holding on, it's slowly <laughs> being uprooted. The root is sort of coming. And he looks up and tells, if there's anyone up there, please help me. And a voice comes from heaven. He says, let go of what you're holding. He looks up again. He looks this side. He looks that. Is there anybody else up there? <laughs> Sometimes we don't like the answers God gives us. We hope there's somebody else who would listen to us and answer us in the way we want him to answer. But the verse here and the promise here is God will God will give you what you ask for. But there is a condition. What is the condition? Read that verse and tell me what is the condition? What is the condition for that to be fulfilled? If you abide in me and 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 my words abide in you. So there is a connection between abiding in God's word and our prayers being answered. Totally and completely answered. Okay, so there is a connection between the word of God and your prayers being answered. Totally. Alright, so what is that connection? We'll look at some of the things that will explain to us what is that connection. Alright? I think the connection between abiding in the word and answered prayer is as you abide in the word, the word of God guides you what to pray for. You, you, you understand me? As you read God's word, God's word will guide you to what you should be praying. And if you pray what God's word is guiding you to pray, what's the promise? It will be answered. Let's see some. Let's see a verse. Um, One John verse five, chapter five, verse fourteen. One John chapter five, verse fourteen. One John chapter five, verse fourteen. And this is the confidence that we have towards Him, that we ask anything of Him, He will hear it. Uh, anything else? Ah, what, read that again. If you ask anything according to His will, He will answer. So, 
what's the connection between the word and prayer now tell me what's the connection between the word and the uh, and prayer if you abide in his word you will understand his will and you will pray according to that will and what is the promise god will answer your prayers so what should you be doing if you want your prayers answered huh you abide in his word you abide in the lord all right number 1 number 2 if you abide in the word it functions the word functions to build your faith all right so romans chapter 10 verse 17 Romans 10 verse 17 it's a verse you should know by heart it's a verse you should know by heart faith comes from hearing and hearing what the word of god so as you abide in god's word as you read god's word as you you know enjoy it what will be happening inside you your faith will be increasing all right You got that point? Or right, read Mark chapter 11 verse 24, Mark 11 24, Mark 11 24. Yes. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it. How can you pray like that? How can you pray when you pray you believe in God and do this for me? How can you do it? as you abide in his word faith develops and increases and then when you come to pray you pray with that faith that god has brought into your life as you abide in his word that confidence comes that he will answer my prayers so you abide in the word and then you will see how god answers your prayers or thirdly thirdly abiding in the word functions to transform man morally and spiritually okay what did i say when you abide in god's word the word of god transforms you morally and spiritually all right okay how does that help us in prayer how does that help us in prayer psalm 66 verse 18 psalm 66 verse 18 psalm 66 verse 18 If I have cherished iniquity in my heart the lord would not so god will not answer to your prayers if you have what so how does that iniquity uh, come out of you as you abide in god's word god's word helps you to search your heart to see what is wrong and with god's help remove them from your life and then when you pray god will answer your prayers in other words 
uh, another verse, uh, James chapter 4, verse 3, James says some very strong things. Uh, James chapter 4, verse 3. You ask and you do not receive. Here is ans- your praying, but your prayer is not answered. But there is a reason for it. What is the reason? You ask wrongly or you ask with wrong motives. To spend it on your passion, your desires. You see, that when you pray in your passion in, in, to fulfill your desires, your self-centered, selfish desires, and you pray, in this context, there is fight in the church. Okay? So, God, if you go pray to love, you, you, you punish that fellow. <laughs> Is God going to hear that prayer? Is God going to hear that prayer? No. Because you are asking this with a selfish motive. God will not answer such prayers. So what does the word of God do? What does the word of God do? It takes away these passions that are not right. This self-centeredness. For the self to be magnified, God's word takes that away. And in its place, God's word puts love. And then I pray. And the prayer will be answered. Um, Read read John chapter 8 verse 32. John chapter 8 verse 32. It says, if you know the truth, the truth will set you free. So you keep studying God's word. You abide in his word. God will begin to work in you and set you free from the bondages of a whole lot of sins. In wrong desires and passions. God will give you the freedom from all of that. And when God's deep work in your heart happens, and when you come to prayer in the presence of God, God will answer the prayer. John 17, verse 17. John chapter 17, verse 17. John chapter 17, verse 17. Yes, this is Jesus' prayer. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is the truth. So if you abide in God's word, if you sit under the, the power and the outworking of the word of God in your life, What will God be doing in your life? What will the Word be doing in your life? Sanctify you. Move you towards holy living and holiness. And when that happens, and you come into the presence of the Lord, and you pray, what does God say? He will answer your prayers. John 15 verse 7. He will answer your prayers. So when Jesus says he will answer your prayers, whatever you ask him, it's not, I can ask for whatever I want. I, I want a Mercedes Benz, Lord. So is that, God will, God will know whether it is in a selfish desire or... You know, with what motive I am asking, God will know. But if it is something you have asked which you can use 
to bless somebody with God will so abide in God's word there is no two way no two way there is no other way CBF if you want God to be ans- to answer your prayers in your personal life or the corporate life of the church there is only one secret abide in his word allow God's word to really change you you surrender yourself to the word of God the power of God you know to not only convict you but to give you the grace to make the changes that God wants you to make and then you come into his presence and pray and God will answer your prayers okay did you understand that all right let's come to another aspect of um, this uh, prayer and prayer answered so you read with me verse 7 and verse 8 now verse 7 and verse 8 please read verse 7 and verse 8 John chapter 15 you abide in me and my words abide in you ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you by this in some translation by this is my father glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to my disciples so there is now a connection between your prayer and bearing fruit or the answer to your prayer or what you should be really praying is what that God will produce in me more fruits and fruits that will bring glory to God that is the answer to prayer that John says Whatever you desire, he will give you. What what should your desire be? That I would bring fruits to God that will bring glory to his name. So there is a connection between answered prayer and uh, fruitfulness. Come to verse 16 and 17. Same chapter, 16 and 17. Verse 16 and 17. You did not choose me. Okay. Okay. You got that? Guys, you got that? Jesus is saying what? You didn't choose him. But I chose you and appointed you that you should go and what? Bear fruits. Okay. Let's let's hold that. Let's hold it there. Let's hold that thought there. What is Jesus telling you? You didn't choose me. I chose you. Okay, it was my prerogative. It was my... I took the first step. And I chose you. Okay, why did I choose you? Why did I choose you? Why did I choose you? That you will bear... So what's the purpose of your life? That you will bear fruits for the Lord. Okay, read verse 17 now. These things I command you. you That you will love one another. So what is the fruit? That we love one another. So what should your prayer be? 
Huh? Give me the grace to love this irritating person, Lord, in our church. And what would God, God do to that prayer? What would God do to that prayer? He will answer that prayer. Because what He wants you to do is produce fruit. So praying according to His will or praying with understanding is to know that my purpose in life is to bring fruits for God that will be glorifying to Him. And if I understand that truth, my prayer will be aligned to this truth. All my prayers will be aligned to this truth. Psalm 37 verse 4. Psalm 37 verse 4. Prayer is not for gratifying your natural desires. Okay. Delight, delight yourself in delight the Lord. Delight yourself in the Lord. And He will give you the desires of your heart. He will give you the desires of your heart. Alright? What kind of desires are we talking about? 1 John 5.14 1 John, 1 John 5.14 This is the confidence that we have towards Him. If we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. So, Psalm, how do you connect Psalm and this verse? Whatever you desire, He will give you. When? When you hold Jesus, when you hold God as the most precious treasured thing in your life. When you hold Christ as the most treasured thing above everything else, let me ask you, what will you pray for? What will you pray for? Mercedes Benz? What will you pray for? Love. That I must, you know, you see Paul's prayer, it's all, if you see, there's nothing self-centered in his prayers. Is there? He, he's saying, Lord, open our eyes, open our eyes that we may see your glory. That we may treasure you more. That you might be the greatest treasure for me. And when Christ becomes the greatest treasure for me, then what I desire on this earth will be totally different will be totally different. My value system changes because Christ has become my greatest value. When the things of the world don't hold any attraction to me, what I would long for is that I will know him more, deeper and better, and that he will work in and through me and produce fruit that will be a blessing to others. So, this prayer is connected to fruit bearing. 1 John 3.22 If you read 1 John 3.22 also. Whatever you ask, whatever you ask, we receive from him. We will be received from him. Because we keep his commandments. Because we keep his commandments. And do what pleases him. And do what pleases him. Pleases him. 
You see, answered prayers and doing what pleases him, there is this deep connection. And it is prayers that we ask for that ultimately will be used to please God, that God will answer. Alright? So, if you want to have a powerful and effective prayer life, devote yourself to getting your desires aligned with the fruit that God means to produce through us. That is ultimately bringing glory to God. Did you get that point? I'll repeat it again. If you want to have a powerful and effective prayer life, you must devote yourself to getting your desires aligned with the fruit that God means to produce in us and through us, which will always be for the glory of God. Okay? That is when you become a prayer warrior whose prayer is effective and powerful. That God answers the desires, whatever you ask, and God answers that for you. So the more you are saturated with the words of Jesus, the more you will pray. And the more you pray being saturated in God's word is the prayer that God will answer more and more. So if you want your prayers to be answered, what do you do? Tell me. You abide in God's word. You abide in God's word. And you abide so that you might bring fruits that will glorify God. So your prayer life must be aligned to this, these truths for you to be an effective prayer warrior. I pray God will help CBF to be people like this. I pray God will help you to be people like this. What's my time? What's my time, timekeeper? Huh? 20 minutes. 20 minutes more. Okay. So let me talk about uh, friend before I come and talk about joy. John chapter 15, verse 12 to 15. John chapter 15, verse 12 to 15. This is my commandment. This is my commandment. That you love one another. That you love one another. As I have loved as you. As I have loved you. Gather love. Greater love has no one than Greater this. Greater love has no one than this. Someone ah. lay down his life for his friends. Someone would lay down his life for his friend. Huh. You are my friends. You are my friend. If you do what I command you. If you do what I command you. Huh. No longer do I call you servants. No longer do I call you servants. For the servant does not know. For the servant does not know what his master is doing. What his master is doing. But I have called you friends. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father. For all that I have heard from my father. I have made known to you. I have made known to you. CBF, do you know Jesus is your friend? Hello? Nobody is answering. CBS, you are already tired? 
think you are going home? Do you know that Jesus is your friend? Why do you say Jesus is your friend? Huh? You see, sometimes your idea and I, my idea about friendship is not what God's idea of friendship is. So we have to understand what this friendship is all about if you want to enjoy it. And that's what he's trying to teach us from these words. What royal friendship with Jesus means. Alright? Okay. I want you to read one verse and I want you to guess which word is an important word. Alright? Okay. Read verse 13 and 14. Read verse 13 and 14. Verse 13 and 14. Okay. Be alert. Because I have asked you a question. Greater love has... John, John chapter 15. 13 and 14. Huh? Greater love has no one... Greater love has no one... Than this... Than this... That someone... That someone... Lay down his life for his Lay down his life... For his friends. For his friends. Okay. Got that word? Got that? Alright. Read the next word. You are my friends. You are my friends. If you do what I command you. If you do what I command you. Okay. What is the (laughs) most important word here? Huh? Huh? If you do... uh, It's the word if. Now you have to understand the word if. If you want to understand what being a friend with Jesus means. Okay? There are two ways to understand that word if. One is is a heresy and the other is true Christianity. Okay? One is a heresy and the other thing is a true Christianity. So let's see what the, these two uh, two are. Okay? Uh, you understand cause and effect? You understand the theory of cause and effect? You do something, it will result in something. Alright? So, putting that principle into this verse, uh, these verses, uh, there are two ways you can see it. Alright? One is, the cause that proceeds and brings about an effect. Alright? If you proceed laying down his life to being friends that moves on to obedience, if obeying him is what makes you a friend and because of that Christ's death is made effective for you, if you look at it in that direction, then it is a heresy. Suppose uh, the Indian government comes on a uh, on a uh, on a uh, uh, drive to get people into the army. Okay, and if you're a strong and courageous person, they they find out about you and they see that you are a strong and courageous person. And because of that, if they 
recruit you into the army. Uh, they are recruiting you into the army because you are strong and courageous. All right? So there is a reason why they are recruiting you. Okay? So if Christ's death is effective to you when you are obedient, okay? So Christ's death is effective in your because you are being obedient is a heresy. Christ did not die for you because you were obedient. You see? So you should not see it that way. It is your obedience that is bringing, making you his friend or his death being affecting in, in your life. That's not the way to see it. That's why the if is given. Okay? But there is another way to see this. The another way to see this is uh, uh, the effect follows and confirms the cause. If you do what he commands, confirms that you are his friend and that his life has made, his, li- his death and life and resurrection has made a change in you. You got the point? It's the other way around. Let me give you an, an illustration. Okay? Uh, you have blood cancer. How do you know you have blood cancer? Medical person? Huh? Huh? A medical test. What? What will be the result? What will? The, how will we know? Huh? What will show up in the test? Your white blood cells are what? High. All right. So you take the treatment. Okay, you take the treatment and you go for a second test and the second test tells you that your WC cells have come down. Okay, why did it come down? Because the cancer is in remission. You got the point. So this effect is because of the remission. White blood cell coming down is because the cancer is in remission. Or, if you look at the, what uh, uh, Paul is trying to tell us here, he is telling us that we are able to obey his commands. We are able to, what? Obey his commands, no? Is that what it is? Uh, we are able to obey his commands because God through his death of his son has brought about a change in me. That's why I am able to obey. That's why I am his friend. It's not the other way, but it is this way. Christ has done his work in me and therefore because of that I am his friend and I am able to obey his commands. So it is God deeply working in me that enables me to do his commands and that is a reflection that I belong to him and I am his friend. There is greatest love. And I, he goes on to say, how, how, how do we know that what we think this way is the truth? So 
two things we saw, right? One is my obedience to God does not reveal that I am his friend and that his death has been effective to me or is the death of Jesus Christ working in me and giving, giving me the grace and energy and strength to be obedient which reflects that I am his friend. Which is the right one? The first one or the second one? The second one. Okay, how do you know in the context that the second one is the correct thing? You have to read verse 12. Okay, so read verse 12 and tell me what is the key where you can find that the second one is the correct one and not the first one. This is my commandment. This is my commandment. That you love one another. That you love one another. As I have loved you. As I have loved you. Tell me. Jesus' command is what? That we should love one another. another. Okay. And then what does he say? As I have loved you. What does that mean? Just as. Which is, which is preceding which? His love. His love is preceding. You got the point. He has loved us. And it is that love that will enable me now to obey this commandment, which is love one another. If God has not chosen you, and if God has not loved you, can you bear fruits? No. That is the Christian truth we must understand. Everything we are able to do comes from our deep, intimate relationship with God. With what God has done in, in my life. It, so abiding is crucial. It's not optional. Without abiding, you and I cannot fulfill this, this truth. And you can, I cannot tell Christ is my friend. So if Christ is my friend, he goes on to tell something else. What does he tell in the next verse? What does he tell? You are no more what? Servants or slaves. You are what? You are what? Friends. Friends. You are what? Friends. Okay. Um, Greater love has no man than this to lay down one's life for his friend. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I no longer call you servants because servants does not know what the master's business is. Instead, I call you friends for everything that I learned by my father, I have made known to you. So, if you are God's friend, what are you not? A servant. If you are God's friend, what is your advantage? What is your advantage? Huh? What is your advantage if you are God's friend? He will make known everything that the Father has told him. So my question is this. To CBF, are you living like slaves? Or are you living like friends? Are you constantly discovering what God's plan is? You see, the servant doesn't know what the master is doing. Does he know? Does he know? No, he doesn't know. He doesn't know his actions. He doesn't know his plans. He doesn't know what the master, master will tell him to do, he will do. 
but a friend knows why because the master tells him confides in him shares with him deep things his plans his purposes why he does something why he is not doing something else he makes his decisions known to you my question is is that the kind of life you are living are you living as truly friends of jesus romans chapter 8 verse 14 to 16 romans chapter 8 verse 14 to 16 for all for all who are led by the spirit of yeah. god are sons of god for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry abba father okay here is another picture he calls his friends here what is he calling you what is he calling you children sons and daughters okay and what does he say that a son has or a child has not the spirit of bondage bondage <laughs> who has the spirit of bondage the slaves have the spirit of bondage as sons and daughters what kind of spirit do we have spirit of huh spirit of read read what the verse says spirit of adoption meaning that god has adopted me into his family as his child so what does that do to me huh not a spirit of fear but a spirit of love joy and self control that's the kind of life you will have and i will have if you are living as sons as friends he will reveal things to us that's why jesus promised us the holy spirit isn't it he said when the spirit of truth will come he will teach you all things he will take of what i have said and he will teach you those things so the master's thoughts his 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 plans all that he has has been recorded and the spirit of god reveals it to you but the question is are you his friend are you listening are you opening up yourself to uh, learn his plan and purpose for your particular life for the church life of the church and for the world at large that is the question you know the story of the prodigal son no it's not actually the son of the uh, story of the prodigal son is this is a story of a family a father had how many sons two sons one older and one younger younger went away creating problem but then he comes back he is restored his sonship is restored his relationship is restored there is great joy hena there is a celebration at home great joy great celebration at home but there's one person who is not celebrating who's that who's that the eldest son why is he not celebrating why is he not celebrating why is he not celebrating huh 
he is upset why is he upset look at what he says okay he comes from the field you remember that story he comes from the field he sees all this music and he is asking whom what's happening at home he is asking who he is asking the servants why should he ask the servant who should he be asking his father so immediately recognize there is something wrong in this relationship okay then the father comes out to the street and he has this conversation with this older son and what does he say i have anybody remember not disobeyed anything you said i have slaved i have served you all these years so he is looking at his relationship with his father as what as a servant not as a son if he was a son he would know his father's heart he would know his father's intention he would have known the father's love he would have known the father's forgiveness but he has not understood any of these things because he has no connection with the father you know he goes on to say you know this guy you know wasted all his money but when it came to me you do not even give me a, <laughs> a fat a lamb or whatever to celebrate with my friends and what is what was the father's answer what was the father's answer <laughs> son everything i have is yours it's yours now if you don't use that whose fault is that mine no you are in your mind thinking that i am a terrible father i will be upset if i you know enjoy with my friends have a party with my friends but that's not the kind of person so you didn't know me you didn't know me you don't have a relationship with me you see a servant doesn't know the heart of the father it's only the son who knows so the question is are you sons and daughters or are you still in the servant mentality jesus says i am your friend time is up you have in the book of genesis abraham a friend of jesus a friend of god when he's going to destroy sodom and gomorrah he says how can i not share it with my friend abraham how can i not share it with him and god shares his purposes and his will with abraham are you that kind of friend are you that kind of friend i leave you with that question so we saw two provisions god has provided us as we abide in him number one he answers our prayers number two he calls us his friends we are no more his servants oh he loves to reveal himself to you reveal plans about your life loving reveal things about the future reveal wonderful amazing things if only you would take him on that friendship and you would spend time with him and abide in him abraham's life was 
you know, pictured by one amazing thing constantly. Wherever he went, he built an altar. He worshipped this friend, this God. He worshipped him. So, let our life be molded in this way, dearly beloved, so that God will work in and through us and produce fruits that will be for his glory. Thank you and God bless you. We'll pray. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the deep insights that are hidden in your word. And we thank you for the Holy Spirit who reveals to us deep things from your word. Help us, Lord, to learn from you. Help us, Lord, to be your friends, to be your sons and daughters. That we will understand the privilege and the honor of this deep, intimate relationship with which you have brought us to. That you have given us a spirit by which we can call you Abba, Father. How amazing this is, Lord. And how much we lose out when we don't spend time with you. Oh, that we would be like Abraham. We will be considered your friend. And you will reveal deep truths to us, Lord. Your purposes. That we could have a discussion, Lord, like Abraham had with you about destroying Sodom and Gomorrah. Fifty, Lord. Forty, Lord. Thirty, Lord. To be able to talk to you, to dialogue with you, to understand your mind and your heart. To understand how gracious you are. Lord, help us to be that kind of people. And may your grace continue to help us. I commit everyone present here into your hands and pray that you will do a deep work in their lives through your word and make them the people you are and produce fruits that will ultimately bring glory to your name and blessing to us. We give you thanks and pray in the precious name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen.